Welcome back to Breaking Bullying. This week, we meet with a guy who experienced childhood bullying and abuse and what he did to become a Vegas headliner. So I'm going to hit that music and get started. Joining me this week is hypnotist and magician, Kevin Lapine. Kevin, thank you for coming on today. It's my greatest pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I was in Vegas a couple of years ago for the Martial Arts Super Show. Okay. And I, I've seen I've seen your show advertised all over the place. But fortunately, we, my, me and my wife couldn't make it to your show. So next time in Vegas, definitely it's, coming. It's Vegas. There's a lot of distractions out there. Yeah, we ended up seeing Journey. Oh, very today. nice. Yeah. So, but next time, we'll definitely have to come catch your show. But we'll talk more about your show at the end of this podcast. I want to know what happened in your childhood because your life wasn't so great as, as it is right now. I'm, I am really lucky. You know, right now, I'm, I, I've been headlining in Vegas for 13 years doing my comedy hypnosis show. It's taken me all over the world. I've literally, I'm married to an amazing woman. I, I'm living my dream every day. And it was very close to none, none of that ever happening. Uh, because when I was 15, I was ready to kill myself because of the bullying that I endured. What type of bullying were you um, experiencing? So the majority of my bullying really came from the school districts. Uh, I, was, I was the kid who was picked on every day. And unfortunately, at that time, administration still didn't really understand that much about bullying. And it was just looked at something just, oh, well, you know, just, just rise above it. Well, you can't really rise above it when you're getting your, your, your butt handed to you regularly yeah. by five or six different people. And, and, and your mental state just deteriorates when you are constantly being belittled and, and destroyed. And you know what a lot of kids understand is, so you tell the teacher you're being bullied, and then the teacher yells at the class about you know bullying somebody, and they all know who she's talking about, so you get your butt kicked again. Was it always by the same kids? Always. And once you become that victim and other people in a closed-in environment see that you're the victim, they know it's easy for them to make fun of you too to build themselves up. You know, a lot of kids, they don't understand the idea of a rising tide lifts all ships. They don't understand that we can all grow together. A lot of kids only know how to make their bones by breaking others because that's all they've ever learned and experienced. And they like being that center of attention that they get when there's somebody who can't fight back. When the school told you to rise above, what does that even mean? Did they tell you what to do to rise above it? No, they didn't care. And, and I hate to sound this jaded, but when I was in ninth grade, I was in an all-boys Catholic school. The administration saw what was happening to me on a daily basis and turned a blind eye to it willingly. Because in their mind, boys will be boys. And then the one time I fought back, I got a suspension. Really? Of course, they also protected. I, I, um, I was also a victim of abuse from one of the priests that oh, no. the administration made sure to protect as well. And I say all of this because it really led to that moment where I was done. I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. And that, that's what my book is about. It starts at the moment when I was 15 and ready to kill myself because of all of this bullying. And instead, I came up with a different idea. I was raised Catholic, so the best way I can explain it is I prayed a prayer that I had never prayed before. And that's that I wanted to be something different. 
and I wrote down a list of everything I hated about myself, which was a really long list. And I wrote a list about, of things I liked about myself, which was a really short list. And then I wrote a list of everything that I, I wanted to be. And I prayed for that to happen. Oh. A lot of times nowadays you hear the phrase, fake it till you make it. Yep. Somebody said something better that stuck with me. And it sums up what I did much better. It's not fake it till you make it. It's borrow it until you own it. I had to keep borrowing from that list to be the person I wanted to be. I had the opportunity to change schools. And I went from going to private Catholic schools to, in my 10th grade year, going to a public school where my sophomore class was larger than my entire last school put together. And now there were girls. And I had a stuttering problem so bad I could barely speak. And I, I did everything I could to try and make friends. And I ended up making friends with the, the punks, the burnouts, the misfits. They became my community. And this is what really helped me get above bullying. Um, and I'm just, I'm flashing the book because, oh yeah, great, a glossy cover. Yeah, I that see. works for reflections. Um, there we go. The main thing that I'm trying to point out, this is what inspired the book. It was when I saw this picture, actually I had to buy the rights. It's a school of fish grouped together to look like a shark to chase a shark away. This is the best way that I, that I can talk about one of the best ways to defeat bullies is you need to find a community. As soon as I found a group of people who honestly cared about me, no one could make fun of me anymore because I didn't care what their opinion was. I had a place where my self-esteem was built up, where I was treated as a peer and I was treated as an equal. And once again, kids can be harsh. And we're talking about 14, 15-year-old kids now. They let me do this for almost six months. They let me metronome my words. And after about six months, my stutter was gone. I had a voice again. And I could talk and I could communicate. And I was with a, a group of friends who, and your friends will always flip your crap. I mean, it's what friends do. But friends, for every time they tease you, you can think of two or three examples where they're also building you up. Yeah. And that's what I learned. And this is one of my big messages is if your school isn't that community, then find one. You know, whether it's, it's joining a scout troop that isn't affiliated with your school at all, going to a dojo two or three towns over where you don't know anyone and you can start over and you can have that clean slate around people who want to build you up. Because once you're part of that community, everything else becomes bearable. I'm Catholic myself. I'm curious. Do you know the name of that prayer you said? Because you obviously mm. got that prayer answered. Oh, no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't like a scripted prayer. It was okay. instead of just reciting words, it was this sudden belief that I, I didn't want to just pray a generic prayer. I knew what I wanted. But I also knew that if I wanted that, that there were some things I had to change about myself. Once you feel like a victim, I, I, I don't like saying you project that energy because it sounds a little bit hippie and that tunes people out. But I will say that once you feel like you're a victim, then you allow yourself to be victimized yep. and you allow anything to be viewed as an attack because that's what you're used to. 
if all you know is how to input abuse, everything seems abusive. And I, I had to change that view in order to be able to find a, a community and find friends. Did you join any clubs to find that community or is this your group of friends that you stuck with? So I was in scouting, but my original scout troop was part, was affiliated with the school that I was suffering a lot of the abuse from. So I didn't go that far in scouting until I started in a, in a new school in a new town, joined a troop there. And once again, just found more community. And I actually was able to achieve one of my big dreams. I, I did make it as an Eagle Scout with a couple of hours to spare. But the perfect thing that I can say is I applied for a job as a camp counselor. And this was in Detroit at the Scout Ranch. And I was accepted. On my 15th birthday, right around my 15th birthday, I was ready to kill myself because of all the bullying. My 16th birthday, I am in the bunks as a camp counselor. And when the clock ticked from 11.59 to midnight on my birthday, someone in the bunk had set an alarm and everybody sang happy birthday to me. Wow. One year later, I had, a crew, I had a community celebrating me. I mean, it was, it was life-changing. When, I'm curious how, when you went to the new school, how did you make friends? I, I assume- With terror. Were, with terror. <laughs> with absolute, <laughs> with absolute- Heart in my throat, terror. Did you go up to kids first or did, did they come up to you? I went up to everyone. And, and it's the scariest thing because you're constantly put, you're putting yourself out there, putting yourself out there, putting yourself out there. And I accidentally stumbled across a universal truth that day when I made my first friend because I just asked him questions about himself. And one of the quick things I learned was one way to make, when, when you've been abused, when you've been victimized, when you've been bullied, you are so desperate to throw yourself to anything that will, you know, provide you kindness that you tend to just be, just become almost overbearing with it. And, and that day I just started asking a couple of people questions about themselves and listening. Did you approach them one by one? Oh yeah. Yep. And, and the one, and, and what was really funny was coming from all these Catholic schools, the one who really responded to me and started talking to me was this kid with long hair, tight jeans, and an Iron Maiden t-shirt. And it was so far removed from anything I had ever been exposed to that I had a lot of questions. And we just hit it off. And that became my circle of friends. But that was also the circle of friends who were the artists. And the weirdest thing, is my parents were afraid of, you know, the drugs and alcohol and the peer pressure. And you know what? A bunch of my friends in high school drank, they smoked. Uh, I didn't. And nobody ever pressured me. Nobody ever cared that I didn't. The only thing they cared about was when I turned 16, they all had a designated driver and they were thrilled. What advice would you give someone currently facing bullying or abuse, especially in terms of seeking, finding a community and support? So let's look at two main places. I know people who did not want to leave their house. They did not want to go to school because of the bullying. I knew people who didn't want to leave school because they didn't want to go home to their bullying. So first of all, you have to be able to recognize where do you have a version of a safe space? Where do you have a version of 
people who care about you to start from. And if you are being bullied in both of those locations, that's the hardest. And there are people who are in that situation where they come from an abusive home and an abusive school life. And for, for that extreme situation, I know that going to the police sound, sounds really intimidating to people as well for many reasons. I would recommend going to somewhere like a fire station. Why is that? They're neutral. Firefighters aren't going to make a problem worse. And they know resources. They have places. Go to a doctor's office. Go, go to a medical center. And this is if you don't have a home life or a school life that provides you with some version of sanctuary. Now, thankfully, I had some sanctuary at home. And for that, I at least know I had a base of people who cared about me there. Yeah. You know, for, and, and like I said, I knew people who it was the opposite, who they did not want to leave school because, you know, home was a bad place. But at the school, they were able to find counselors. They were able to find resources. They were able to reach out. If you're being bullied at school, talk to people, talk to administrators, talk to counselors, talk to your family. Tell them things you're really interested in. The great thing about the internet existing is it's easy to find communities who like the things that you like, usually somewhere near you. Get involved there. Find places you can go to that aren't affiliated with the school. Maybe it's a town over, but anywhere where you can be in a community of somewhat like-minded people where self-esteem is put first, everything else gets, gets a lot more bearable. Did you attempt suicide or you had thoughts of suicide? I was ready to do it. What stopped you? It was all mapped out. It was ready to go. What stopped you? The thought that maybe something could be different. I thought that just maybe, maybe it could be a little bit different this year at this new school. You know, maybe everything in my past didn't have to dictate everything in my future. And, Sometimes that little glimmer of hope is all it takes, especially when you've been bullied and you feel like you've been in this dark room for so long. Yeah. That any light is huge light. It's hard too for kids to see beyond like tomorrow when you're experiencing bullying. It's hard to view life in the future because all they, all they know is getting picked on. I've been picked on since second grade all the way to 12th grade. So that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. You don't, know that life can get better no it's it's all you assume you just assume tomorrow is going to be a continuation of every other day so you had and it, it can change that must have been one heck of a thought that just hit you in that moment if something has stopped you it was yep it, it was that thought that maybe tomorrow could be different and i really had to decide who did i want to be because i didn't want to be that person who got picked on anymore and I really had to decide, then what kind of a person did I want to be? And, and that's a hard question. At 15, I mean, that's about as existential of a question as you can humanly ask yourself. Who do you really want to be? If you could wake up tomorrow and be somebody, who do you want to be? And I mean, yeah, the easy answer is you want to be Brad Pitt or George Clooney. Okay, well, you can't be them. Who are you? Who do you want to be? And I knew I wanted to be somebody who was kind. I wanted to be somebody who had friends. I wanted to be a friend to people. 
I wanted to, to laugh. I wanted to have fun. And so I just, and then, like I said, once I wrote all that down, and it's hard writing down these things, to write down your flaws, to write down the things that you hate about yourself. And one of the things that we all struggle with, especially when, when it comes to bullying, is forgiving yourself. It wasn't your fault. But that doesn't mean you don't carry it around. Yeah. Does the effects of bullying still affect your self-confidence today? Oh, God, yes. Yes. In fact, it's funny uh, because my wife built an, a show for elementary schools where she really does a great job about talking about negative self-talk, about how, you know, we have that voice in our head that constantly, you know, puts us down. Like, and, and it's funny because as I'm working on different things, I still have that negative self-talk in my head going on all the time. And I have to confront it. I have to look at it and I have to forgive it and, and, and move forward. But I mean, it's, 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 it does linger. How did you get into hypnosis and magic? So I had a huge stuttering problem, except when I was on stage. So I was the little dork in the back of the room who read all the time. Reading was the only thing I could do. I could read and I, I could recite without a problem. So I always felt comfortable on stage. And when I was 16, I got picked up by an entertainment company uh, to children's parties. So I was the purple dinosaur at your little brother's birthday. For copyright reasons, they have the purple dinosaur, not Barney. So I was either, you know, the karate turtle or, or, or the purple dinosaur. And you picked a purple great. dinosaur. You picked a purple dinosaur over uh, a karate well, turtle. Well, no, that that no, that was the uh, the costume I got thrown into that day. Okay. Um, in fact, in fact, that day had the day that pretty much summed up my entire career. It was the first day that I went to learn. I'm with the owner of the company, and he's doing four parties. He's about to go and do his fifth party when he gets a call that one of his performers had a car breakdown and can't make it to their gig. And I went, "Well, I can do it." He said, "Can you?" And I said the words that have probably summed up my entire career, which was, I don't know, but I can do my best for an hour. <laughs> and that actually started me on the path. And then doing the costume characters got me into clowning. Clowning got me into magic. Magic took off when I was in the Detroit area. Um, I started getting into sideshow, fire eating, things like that. And then when I was 20, I started working with some hypnotists. They got me enroll enrolled in a course for for social workers, but at the time that was the only way I could learn. And then I started doing hypnosis and it took me a while before I liked hypnosis shows because most hypnotists that I had seen, I can sum up their show by saying, I'm a jerk who wants to make you look like an idiot. And, you know, I had great friends, great writers, great people around me. And they said, well, you can do anything with hypnosis. What would you want to do? I said, well, I want to make a show that says, I've got something really funny and interesting to share with you. And if you walk up on my stage, I will make you look and feel like a star. And as soon as that became the point of the show, it took off. And I ended up having a six-month offer to move to New Orleans. Six months turns, it turned into five years. And then from there, it literally took me all over the world. And then 13 years ago, I showed up here in Vegas. I got very lucky. I had an opportunity to do a show and now 13 years later 
Hypnosis Unleashed is the longest-running hypnosis show in Las Vegas, and I've won the Best of Vegas multiple times. Now, I've just taken a whole lot of stuff in there and shrunk it down to about 45 seconds. Let me expand on something in there. The guy at that first entertainment company took a chance on a 16-year-old kid because I kept asking questions. I was always willing to learn. And as long as I was willing to learn, he was willing to teach me. And every time I tried to do something new in entertainment, I would seek out teachers. I would seek out a community. I would seek out people who were doing that. And I would sincerely try my best to learn. And throughout my entire career, and, and that's what the book Deep Into My Eyes is about, is it's about all the people who helped me build my career and my dreams step by step as well as all of the, the negative things that happened. And the one thing, the one decision I made in the book was, while I would talk about negative situations, I would never talk about negative people because they didn't deserve the notoriety. But everybody who helped me, I yeah. made it really clear who they were in the book. Your story is very interesting because I'm not trying to say, if it wasn't for bowling, you wouldn't have had this life, but you had a, you had a, but you had a drastic change. You're not wrong. And... I, I think as people, sometimes we have to be able to justify certain things. And I think as people, we have to be able to, that sometimes for better or worse, we need to justify our traumas. And the one justification that I get out of all of that trauma is it taught me real empathy and compassion. And that empathy and compassion has done more for me than than I than I, I I can ever really put into words. Yeah, being able to understand how people feel, and, and being able to to care about people, really makes a difference. What I find interesting about your story is, you're at the point of suicide. You had a thought hit you hit you in the head. You wrote down yep. this list. A year later, you're starting to build your career. I without you knowing mm-hmm. it, but. You know, a higher power has a plan for you, and they Very smashed much. you in the face with it. And it's really yep. cool to see how that happened, like in a short amount of time. And it's 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 funny because there's there will be all those negative voice voices in your head telling you you're stupid and you can't. But there's always that one voice, and sometimes we bury it. It's that voice that says, "I know you can," and it's it's hard. To reach that voice sometimes, especially when you're young, especially, you know, being a victim of bullying, that voice gets pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. And that night, that voice just screamed and screamed loud enough for me to listen and go, all right, well, what if? And that, that's one of the, if there's two things I can tell people who are being bullied is one, find a community. People cannot take your self-esteem away from you when your self-esteem is somewhere else. And two, tomorrow has options and opportunities. Suicide does not. I had a similar thing happen to myself. I discussed it in an earlier podcast, but just a quick brief down of it. I attempted suicide. I stopped. Uh, a few, a few times uh, later on in like a weeks or months, I can't remember exactly, I had this crazy vision. I mean, it was so real. I can still remember this to the detail today, but it showed me a little bit of my future. And I'm like, if I ended my life, I can't have this future. Mm -hmm. So I 
obviously I'm still here. And then I took a good friend of mine out in LA who's passed away now to teach me like, you got to take your negative experiences in life and use that to teach your students on how to overcome this. And yes. It opened, and it's what, what's happened as soon as I did that, the doors for myself opened wide. That's like, wow, now I'm being yep. exposed to all these new people. It's just crazy how. And, and when, you, when you can give back love, when you can give back love out of that trauma, a, a friend of mine who I met many, many years out, so this was somebody I met in my late 20s. He had also was ready to kill himself at 14. And he had it all planned out and he was ready to go. And here was his thought that stopped him. And it was the weirdest and best thought ever. He went, okay, I did it. He literally made this decision that, okay, I did it. I killed myself. I'm dead. Now, every minute of every day after that was a gift he was never supposed to have. And it was, it's a really extreme thought, but a beautiful one because all of a sudden, Everything in his life became about gratitude. Yeah. He was grateful for everything. It's proof that words, what you say to yourself, even though it's not like really happening, like say, if you're stupid or dumb, your brain can't yep. decide if it's real or fake. So it's going to think it's real. And that's just your, right your subconscious. Your subconscious doesn't need something to be true for it to be a fact. As soon as your subconscious believes something, it believes it. And this is why emotion is stronger than logic every day of the week, twice on Sundays. We will always choose emotion over logic each and every time. And the more we learn that, the more you learn to start changing those negative thoughts because you become emotionally connected to them and you believe them. And for anybody who doesn't believe that, then do me a favor and just do it. If, if you don't believe that changing your self-talk will make you a better person, then do it to prove me wrong. Is that how hypnosis works in a way? That is a lot of how hypnosis works. One of the, a, a few of the things that I talk about in, on the clinical side of hypnosis is people want to forget something. Like a big question I get asked is, could you make me forget my ex? No, you don't want to forget your ex. You learned something. Even if all you learned was you don't want to be with that person anymore. And one of the best ways I can describe how your brain works is on the count of three, whatever you do, don't think of a pink elephant. One, two, three. And you have no choice. That elephant pops in there. As soon as you tell yourself not to think of something, it's all you can think about. On the other hand, if I tell you on the count of three, think of something you like more than elephants. One, two, three. You can think of a thousand things. Hypnosis can help you really build a bridge over certain things. So it's not that I don't want to think about this. It's not that I don't want to feel this specific way. It's I want to think about this instead. I want to feel this way instead. I want to look at something from this point of view. And the more you practice, the stronger and stronger that gets. So you're basically just rewiring people's brains. Yes. Yep. Rewiring the, the thought patterns. So it's not magic. It's actually you know, no magic whatsoever. It's to psychology. It. It's, you know, it's just yes. learning how their brain works. 
That's amazing. Yep. And, you know, our subconscious, it keeps, it keeps playing the program over and over that we keep telling it to play. And I promise you, if you change your own self-talk and you change from saying I'm stupid to saying, okay, I learned from that mistake, changes a lot. What advice do you have for kids who are always saying, I can't do this, I'm never that good? What can their parents say to them to help, you know, rewire their thinking and to get them on the path of positivity? So working with my wife, who, like I said, has put together a a show based around this entire idea, it's being able to reframe it. The, The examples my wife uses is I can do hard things. Mistakes help me learn. And being able to change thoughts to that instead of saying, you know, I can't do this. I can't do it yet. You know, I'm, I'm not good at something. Not good at something yet. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at this sport. I'm, I'm not good at martial arts. But I'm better today than I was yesterday. Yes, the power of yet. I talk about that to my kids and my students all the mm-hmm. time. Like, I can't do this. Say yet after that. I can't do this yet. Mm-hmm. Sounds so much better. But it works. It's, it's, it's one of the great joys in martial arts that, and, 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 and forgive me for saying this, but it's the ridiculousness of the activity versus the mental value of it. And the activity I'm talking about is board breaking, which in certain ways is kind of ridiculous, except you did something you didn't think you could do. You just saw yourself accomplish something you said I couldn't, that you told yourself you couldn't accomplish. So while you will probably never use that one specific skill in necessarily, you know, a real world environment, you did just accomplish something you thought was impossible. And that's the amazing part of it. That's one of the things that I love about martial arts. Yes. The purpose of board breaking, you hear jokes like, well, what did board do to you? No, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with what, what the board did to me. The purpose of the board, it's better to hit the board than hit your, your friend. Yes. So when you're breaking a board, you get a chance to see your power. You get a chance mm-hmm. to um, see how well you can focus. You get, you get to test your patience. You get to test your perseverance. You, there's, it's a huge test. Yep. All wrapped into one technique on a simple piece of wood. And that mm-hmm. gives you all of that. And, but people outside of martial arts, they don't see all that. They just see a trick. Yeah. It's not a trick. Right. And, and it's, it's not a trick. And it's, it's so much. And, and I'm sure you teach this to your students. It has 5% to do with this, 95% to do with this. Oh, yeah. Because I see kids, like, well, one of their first board breaks is called the hammer fist. So they'll put their hand up, and they have to swing mm-hmm. all the way through it. And they'll do this. Stop right at the board and just touch it. Like, yep, that's not going to break the board, dude. Come on. Mm-mm. But you, you give them a target, they'll smash it. Give them a board, oh, red light. They can't do it. It's, you know, and trying to teach the kids to overcome that, like, yes, you can do it. You have to close your eyes and do it. I don't care. Or sometimes, I've done it a few times yep. where I trick them. I have them close their eyes. I just keep hitting the, the target. They're not looking. I'll switch as fast as I can, try to get the board up, and have them smash the board. I only was able to pull it off one time. One time I was able to pull it off. You'd be surprised, but what you just described, 
changed the world. What you just described created the Industrial Revolution. Everybody was trying to come up with the mechanical loom, the first major machine, which would kick off the Industrial Revolution. The guy who invented the mechanical loom saw a device. It was like the first robotic device that would play chess with you and win. And this guy decided that if somebody could make a machine that could play chess, then he could make a mechanical loom. There was no machine that could play chess. It was a magician's trick. He didn't know that. It was mirrors that looked like nobody was hiding in there, but there was actually a guy doing everything. He didn't know that. All he knew was, if that could be done, this could be done. He invents the mechanical loom. We have the Industrial Revolution. Crazy. Sometimes just having the belief that it can be done is enough to do it. Speaking of magic, now let's get into your show. Tell us about your show. Thank you. So my show is in the Four Queens, which is downtown Las Vegas. It is Hypnosis Unleashed, 9 p.m. I've been fortunate enough to win multiple Best of Las Vegas awards. I get the great joy of doing it nightly with my wife. And it's a lot of fun. Because what we do is we, we come out, talk about hypnosis for a couple of minutes. Then I get about 12 people to volunteer. In probably about four and a half minutes, I have seven or eight of them right into that deep state of focus. And then we're off to the races. And they're going to do fun, funny things. But my big rule is I'm not there to embarrass anybody. One of my mentors taught me that people laugh for two reasons. People laugh because they're engaged and they're interested and they want more. And they laugh because they're uncomfortable and they want to get as far away as they can. And with that knowledge, the idea was to build every laugh in the show to be a positive experience. And one of the things I learned really early on is you may not know everybody on my stage that night, but you know one important fact about all of them. Oh, crap, that would have been me if I volunteered. And so if I embarrass my people on stage, everybody in the audience feels embarrassed. If I make everybody on stage feel good, everybody in the audience is feeling good and having fun. You know, we'll turn big guys into Britney Spears, make people think napkins are $100 bills. Just just anything that, that hits our brain at that moment. That's awesome. And plus, Fremont Street's like, I think, is like the best part of Vegas for all the street entertainers are at. I love it. Yes. It's downtown. And, you know, once again, so, so to talk about communities again, one thing that I've learned throughout my career, and it's not just my career, I've learned this to other people as well as I've shared this story. People who are at a level that you want to be at, no, there's always more room at the top. I would say that at least 80% of all successful people I know are willing to help other people grow. And throughout my career, I've met great people like that. Here in Vegas, I have met so many great performers who I've always respected, always been in awe of, who've become friends and peers, who've come to my show and went, oh, that was good. You know, if we do this, we can make it better. And nobody was trying to pull me down. Every successful performer here believes that a rising tide lifts all ships. And if your show's really good, people are going to want to go and see more shows. I love it. Kevin, if people want to get a hold of you or follow you, how can they do that? 
So you can go to uh, hypnosisunleashed.com and you can get all the information about the show there. You can go to my Facebook page. I'm pretty active on Facebook, uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's Hip- Hypnotist Kevin. And then the book, which is out now, you can go right to the website, which is the title, which is Deep Into My Eyes. And that one is, I'm really, really proud of it. Yeah, I saw that book's also available on Barnes & Noble, too. I saw that. I was yes. You up. Yeah, that made me so happy. I spent so much time in bookstores when I was a kid. That was like my place to to go. That was my little refuge and sanctuary was libraries or bookstores. So the fact that it's available now in a Barnes & Noble makes me really happy. Well, now I'm happy I, I can just go mm-hmm. drive a little ways to go pick it up instead of ordering it on Amazon. Yeah. You'll, they'll probably have to have them order it for you. Okay. I, I doubt they're stocked on, on on random shelves. Okay. Well, either way, I'm going to check it out. Kevin, thank you so much for being on my podcast. My greatest pleasure. And for all for anybody hurting, it can get better. And for myself, you can always find us at our very own website, which is www.breakingbullying.com. You can also reach out to us at our email address. If you have a story of your own bullying to share, or for whatever reason, you want to get a hold of us, our email address is breakbullyinghere at gmail.com. Now, if you're a victim of bullying and you don't know where to turn, there is online resources to help you. The first is the government's very own anti-bullying website, and the address is www.stopbullying.gov. And other online resource is www.pacer.org backslash bullying. Now, if you have had thoughts of suicide or of self-harm, we implore you to stop. Reach out to the National Suicide Hotline. That number is very simple. It's 988. I'm Tim Flynn, and thank you for listening. And we will be back next week to continue the conversation to break the silence on bullying.